Hi, my name is Ali Vignon, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Niskanen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, it's Derek Grant. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're, you're listening, listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Presidential podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, the Pampers podcast, the Propcast. Oh, yes. Yes. That's right. Tonight, (laughs) for the first time ever, we will have Flyers Hall of Fame inductee Brian Prop on the show. We'll be getting to him momentarily, but... Make sure you spread the word to all of your friends, all of your family, anybody who you know who's a Flyers fan. Let them know that Brian Prop is about to be on Snow the Goalie. Let them know you can find this show over on Twitter, at Crossing Broad, at Ansan Philly, at Joy on Broad, at Snow the Goalie, over on Facebook, facebook.com slash Crossing Broad, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie, and over on YouTube Live, if you just uh, search Crossing Broad, You'll find the channel, the live feed will be there, and you can watch us in all of that, what, 50, 60, maybe even 70-inch glory hanging on your wall. What better than looking at the Quarren stash and whatever whatever Anthony's wearing? And- I, I, you know, I just found another you know, crazy hat, stole my daughter's sunglasses, threw a little, you know... Uh, a- little handkerchief around just in case, you know, I, you know, anybody comes nearby that uh, I got to, you know, cover my mouth and, you know, I'm all set for the quarantine as always, Russ. I just looked at you and I just, <laughs> just a, little uh... bit, a little bit upset. I'm more embarrassed for your kids than I think uh, they might I know. Be. And it's funny when I went to my daughter and I said, Hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to tie me a handkerchief and give me your sunglasses. She's like, who are you? I'm not even related to you. I don't know who you are. So she was, she was a little, uh, <laughs> a little taken aback She's by my request tonight. She should be, she should yeah. be. That was, you know what though? I have to say it is a little bit better than. Uh, I don't know if it if it matches the first week where you had the heart shaped uh, sunglasses on. That was a favorite. I think yeah. last week it kind of phoned it in. It felt like it was a last minute apparel decision. But uh, I put a mullet on last week. What do you mean last think, minute? I went out and got ago, a. Or no, it was the crossing broadcast episode where you just had the little sun hat. That one wasn't your best. You're right. The mullet was was beautiful. I think yeah. we even got a uh, five star review that had something to do with your mullet. So yes, yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I just wanted to take a moment before we get started with uh, Flyers Hall of Famer Brian Prop. There's a uh, a certain thing that we promised the people that we were going to be working on here in the next few weeks or the next month, a month and a half, as we wait patiently, hopefully for the return of hockey. And there was a little bit of news that came out today where uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman talked to, uh, or he he put out his comments about the possibility of hockey coming back. So we want to get to that a little bit later in the show. But we promised that we'd be working on having guests. And Brian Propp is the first of what we are hoping is going to be a, a slew of former players, maybe former executives. And we know that current flyers out there like to listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, maybe Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever they get, they get their podcasts, they can reach out to us in the DMs and make sure they get on. But uh, we're looking forward to this uh, this episode tonight. If you're listening to it uh, the next day on the podcast feed, if you're watching us live, don't forget, 
you have the possibility every week now we are live streaming this with video you get to watch anthony in all of his glory and you can interact with us live we have a uh the restream chat that we've got going on all of the platforms. So if you interact with us on Facebook, on any of the aforementioned links, any of the Twitter accounts, you can get us there as well. We already have a few people coming in here, uh, really going after Anthony early on. And uh, well, let's get Not to a, a surprise of those really quickly before we bring uh, proper in here. Trevor Harris over on Facebook says, oh, yes. And Anthony did get back from pimpin. LOL. <laughs> Pimpin' ain't easy, Trevor. Wow. Uh, Justin Kent over on Twitter says, My God, we need hockey back. And Sam Philly <laughs> is wearing a sunbonnet. And Russ equals John Waters. I don't know who John, Wa- well, John Waters. John, that's the that's the that's the porn stash you got going right oh, now. That's what that you. is. That's what John. That's, oh, that's a corn stash. Yeah. Trevor Harris that's also right. points out that your daughter's already trying to disown you. And yeah, uh, Justin Kent says that you're dressed like Cam Newton. I'm going to pull a, uh, a picture. I think I know what one he's talking about. But yeah. I think we'd be remiss if we waited any longer from bringing in a guest here on Snow the Goalie. And that, of course, is Flyers Hall of Famer inducted in, I believe it was 1999, if I'm not mistaken. And that, of course, is Brian Prop. A roaring round of applause out there for Brian Prop, who now joins the show. A big... <laughs> Big thank you. My pleasure. Uh, I, I, I enjoy doing this, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. For sure. Yeah, it's awesome. I, Brian, and I know I know I don't normally you – the know, last time we you know, hung out together at a game, I didn't look anything like this. So I apologize to you in advance for my, for my look, but not to anyone else, especially no not to problem. my partner. <laughs> you're in the sun. You're in the sun uh, like, like later this afternoon. Yeah, that's that's what I was hoping for. That's what I was hoping for. Well, Brian, listen, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, obviously, there you have uh, a wealth of uh, of stories and 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 uh, history with this organization, and I'd love to uh, you know take a few minutes with you tonight and just kind of go through uh, you know your career and your time with the Flyers and and maybe share some things with the fans. Uh, I'm sure there's some things that you know we're going to ask you about that you've answered six thousand times and and people know the answers to already. But I'm sure that there's going to be a couple things that maybe you know we'll We'll surprise some people and we'll educate some people and we'll have some fun with that, with that tonight. So um, I want to take you back to the, to your humble beginnings, because one of the favorite things that Russ and I like to do when we talk to the current players and we go over to skate zone and we get them on the show and we're talking to them. We, one of the things we like to ask them about is their hometown, where they were from. And uh, especially because a lot of times you get, you know, we get, uh, you know, young Canadian guys who are from some little town that no one's ever heard of before. You're from New Dorf, Saskatchewan. That's right. Tell tell us tell us tell us all about New Dorf. What's what's New Dorf, Saskatchewan like? Well, there wasn't a, that much going on at that time. Like uh, I, I grew up in a town of uh, 300 people. Uh, wow. My father was a L- Lutheran minister, and I have uh, two brothers and two sisters. We're all 13 months apart, so we had our own hockey team already set. So, uh, <laughs> but that. And uh, when I was young, we just, uh, you know, we only had 300 people. So uh, everyone in the class only had about 10 or 12 students in the class for, for the whole school score. And so like what I did, uh, you know, we just uh, went to school and uh, I did uh, delivered newspapers with my brother when I was uh, 10, years, 10 years old. Uh, we knew everybody in the town, so it wasn't too bad. But uh, 
you know, we just uh, skated all the time uh, on the when the uh, ponds got frozen, and I just 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 had fun. And uh, in the summer, we played baseball, and we didn't have a gym, uh, so like we just played outside a lot. That's pretty cool. Now, because you're from such a small town, when you started playing like hockey and were taking it seriously outside of the fun stuff on the pond and stuff, how far did you have to travel? To, to really get to play for like your, uh, you know a, a team that was you know a high quality team. Uh, so when I was uh, 15, I, I, I started to play for the Melville Millionaires. <laughs> and, and it was uh, what a great name. Mile dri- drive, two and four. Uh, but uh, you know, so I, I tell people all the time that I was a millionaire once, and so <laughs> and then, and then, uh, then after after that. I won the scoring that year. I, I shattered the, the record for the, the league that year. And then uh, then I moved to Brandon for three years uh, with the Brandon Wheat Kings and uh, 17, 18, and 19. And then I got drafted by the Flyers in, when I was turned pro. Uh, but uh, Melville was, was nice because, uh, you know, we had to uh, – you didn't have uh, cell, cell names, and so like, you had to – meet on the road and uh in uh and you never knew when it was going to be that's pretty cool that's pretty cool now that's that was considered melville was that like the equivalent of junior a today like yeah yeah so like they, they had five thousand people in that that, that city and uh yeah. but it was 20 miles away and so like uh my my dad uh, and mom drove me because i i, I wasn't allowed to drive yet uh, because I was only 15, so uh, they, they had to uh, take me all the time. Now, when you went to Brandon, that team was maybe one of the greatest uh, Canadian uh, junior hockey teams ever. I, I think you guys lost, what, five games one year, and that was it? Yeah, my first year, uh, when we first started, uh, all three years, like I played with Ray Allison and uh, Brad McCrimmon. And, uh, and we, so that was so good to have them all there. Uh, the first year, we only lost 12 games uh, in the in the season, and then the second year, we only lost eight, and the last year, we only lost five all year. That you know, when Bill Durlego was there, the centerman, uh, Lori Boschman, uh, Glenn Hanlon, uh, Dave Dave Semanker, uh, you know, a couple other guys, uh, and Lori Boschman kind of fit into and. But Dan, Don Gillen was, was, was there, and Kellen McCurman, Kelly McCurman played with, with us too. So, but uh, it was all about the good coaching that we had. Like Dunk McCollum, he learned how to get the best from us. He treated us like uh, pros, and because we won so much, uh, you know, he, he didn't have much to tell us, but, uh, but he, he taught us how to get ready for the NHL. Now that last year, that seventy-eight, seventy-nine year in Brandon, it, just to, just to talk about how ridiculous your numbers were there, you got you played seventy-one games that year. You had ninety-four goals and a hundred assists for a hundred and ninety-four points in that season. Pretty good. I, I, I got to Im- I got to imagine that like you were out there like every other shift to, to put up those kind of numbers, right? Uh, yeah, well, but uh, like like we had powerful teams, and so like uh, we had a, a good power play. Uh, you know, I played all, all, all positions and, uh, you know, Ray Allison was with me, uh, all the time and he still, I still see him, uh, uh, in Cherry Hill. He just moved, uh, to Myrtle beach. Uh, so like, uh, he's getting a little warmer. Uh, 
but uh, you know, I, I'm good friends with all of these guys. And you know, unfortunately, Brad McCrimmon died almost uh, four eight years ago. Uh, yeah. I still miss him because he was a good leader. And that's the you know that's what the Flyers were looking were looking for uh, good leaders uh, at that time. And you know, Ray Allison and Brad McCrimmon they they they, they came in after a couple of years when I when I turned pro. And uh, but they they're good good people to have. When, now, when you look at that, your career there in the three years in Brandon, right? I mean, the, the numbers you put up were so astounding. I mean, 135, 182, 194. And yet you weren't drafted till 14th overall by the Flyers. What, do you have any thoughts as to why you lasted 14th? I mean, the Flyers were thrilled to get you, Brian, where they got you. But, I mean, to, to last that long, I mean, you, any, any thoughts as to why you weren't taken sooner? Well, at that year, it was uh, there was uh, the World Hockey Association and the NHL, and uh, the World uh, uh, League la- uh, merged in the NHL. So there was no bargaining, and at that time, they turned it. They they, they turned the draft to eighteen year old draft. So that's why uh, Bork was there and Lori Boston okay. was there, and also like there was a. One of the players in the world, in the Western Hockey League, like they made up a story that I I was a drunk, and so and uh, and uh, they, they drafted him a lot lower, like he was number four, three or four, and he he didn't he played a few years, but it wasn't as good as me. So, but it was good for me because it it gave me a chance to work to to work with a team that was in the playoffs all the time and good leadership and a good teams. And so, you know, it, it actually helped me that I was drafted a little le- uh, less uh, later uh, because, uh, you know, if you were a young uh, you know, player, you, you might play better, but you, you probably didn't get in the playoffs. Right. So uh, when you think about it, Brian, you know, nowadays when guys get drafted, Teams go full bore. I mean, they do their due diligence. They look into guys, you know, per, you know their histories, their what they're like off the ice and everything. I, I don't know what it was like in 1979 when when they were deciding, you know, when the Flyers were deciding on who they should draft. I mean, how much contact had they had with you prior to the draft to kind of really get to know who you were, or were they just taking it off of you know the scouts' recommendation off of the way you played? Well, at that time, it was just a scout uh, because I was working on the farm. I, I, I didn't even know I got, you know, I, I got a, I got a call uh, when they drafted me, and you know, like, you know, like it was not like it is now, like where everybody, you know, in the in the arenas there, and you know, it's it's publicized, and yeah, so like I was I was working on the farm when it happened, and so I just. Find out that uh, Keith Allen uh, called me and uh, said I got drafted 14th, and so so then I think then I had to go to Philadelphia just to say hi, and but uh, that was a couple of weeks later. Now we go into your we go into your rookie season, and the, that's the year of the you know the memorable streak, the 35 game unbeaten streak. And what a lot of people maybe forget about that streak was that it really started kind of at the beginning of the season. You won the first game, lost the second, and then you went 25-0 and 10 afterwards. So I had to think, I mean, you know, you just had come off of a season in Brandon where you only lost five games. Now you come into the league and in your first 37 games, your team is what, 26, one and 10. I mean, it's got to be like, it almost was like it was coming too easy for you, right? <laughs> well, it was, it was like when it was Brandon, like we, we won all the time, but that's because I still remember the first, first game I played with uh, Clark and Leach 
and I had an assist and I, I scored the game winning goal, my first first game against Bill Smith. And then so then then we lost nine to two in in uh, Atlanta. And then I was like, wow, is this what the NHL is going to be like? And then we went uh, 35 without a loss after that. But, you know, Bob Clark was such a great leader. And, uh, you know, they had good, good players. We had four lines of, that, that played all the time. You know, uh, Pat Quinn was a good coach. Like, he, he, he knew how to handle everybody. And uh, so, and, and we, we just made sure that we were ready for every game. And, like, you know, it was really tough. But uh, I remember up to, I remember, like, after about 20 games into it, it was like everyone wanted to beat us at, like, the Stanley Cup. And so, like, uh, you know, you learn from that how to, to, to be prepared and to make sure that you were still there. But it still, I'm so proud to be uh, on that uh, team that we won 35, went to 35 without a loss. You know, we still, we still uh, remember all the guys that were there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to forget. And then, you know, and then at the end, uh, we had a good lead, uh, record. And then, you know, we, then we lost that year in the, in the finals against the Islanders, because at that time it was one against 16. So, right. you know, you, 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 then that's why we played against the Islanders in the finals. So let's play so a little wanna, bit of a, go ahead, Ross. Bit of trivia go ahead, Ross. about the 35 game win streak. Um, do you remember which player? Uh, no, I, I'm sure you remember the player who uh, set a team record for the fastest consecutive goals in the least amount of time in a game was, uh, was Leach. Do you remember how much time elapsed between the goals? No, I don't. When, when... Anthony, any thoughts? Any guesses? Uh, if I had to get, how much time between two goals by the same yes. guy? Yes. Nine seconds? Uh, it was, come on, it was a little bit longer than that. <laughs> I don't know. It was the 17. 20, it was the 23rd game. It was 20 seconds between goals. Okay. About that. Wow. There was only yeah. one team that you guys didn't play in that 35 game win streak. Do you know who they were? Is that Washington? Indeed it was. Well done. Yes, indeed. Wow. How about that? How about that? I did a little research. Sample yeah, well, 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 they were that bad. They were bad at that time too. So if we played them more, maybe we could have had more. You probably would have gone to 40. Yeah, yeah. 41. <laughs> what was now I just going back, I, I was just about to ask you about the finals that year, Brian, but before we get to that. You know, I, I got to think that during that streak that the game that probably was the one that that sticks out the most is the game in Boston against Boston that that broke their record. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it was uh, at that time, uh, Boston was was really good and they, they 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 won all the time at home. And so that just by having us break it at that, it was uh, it was I remember you know, we, we uh, celebrated right away. You know, Pat Quinn had a big cigar, and uh, then then we kind of just. But then we we knew that we had to continue with it. So uh, you know, we didn't give up, and uh, you know we, that's why we had as many as we did after that. That's awesome, um, Anthony. Anthony, go, I want to. I'm going to keep testing you. I'm having fun with this. Go ahead, Russ. Uh, during the 35 game win streak, hmm. the Flyers eclipsed the previous NHL record. For games without a loss, do you know how many and who it was by? Well, I just said that. We did, it was against Boston, right? That's who they beat. And then Boston had the record. I believe it was 28, correct? It was, no, it was not. Well, it was, it was Mont- 28 Mont- games. Oh, Montreal. It was Montreal. It was Montreal. Boston is the t- You tied the record in Boston, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Tied it in Boston. Then they, set, right, they beat it. Set the record against uh, Boston. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, that was the, the 900th uh, point game for Bobby Clark. Oh, was it really? Indeed it was. Oh, yes. See that? Oh, yeah. yes. Good, good research, Russ. Thank good, you. Good. Thanks for, thanks for uh, doing Thank your work. You. Uh, so proper. You get to the final against the Islanders. Um, and that's, of course, the start of the Islander dynasty. And it was kind of the, la- the it was kind of the last. I mean, yeah, you guys made a couple of playoff appearances the next couple of years with the, with the old guard, you know, with Clarkie and 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 those guys. Um, but that was like their last hurrah for for your group. What was that Islander series like? And of course, I've got to I've just got to say two words and get your reaction to it. Is Leon Stickle? Uh, well, at that time uh, in the finals, like uh, the Islanders had such a good power play. And so like, I think they set a record for power play goals in that series, like because we, uh, you know, I think they had like 15 or something like that. So that was tough to, to beat them because they were such a good, good team. But, uh, you know, we, we uh, battled with them, too. Like uh, we had a rookie. Uh, Pete Peters was uh, the rookie uh, uh, goalie and I was a rookie. And uh, and then Phil Meir and then Bill Smith, Bill Smith was there. But uh you know, at that time, uh, you know, it was uh, it was tough because, uh, you know, and then I, I just remember the, the off, off offside call, like, uh, you know, that I, you know, I, I, I was on the ice. And so like, I knew it was way over, uh, over, uh, side. And so like, I just actually, I let up for a little bit and I, and I shouldn't have, I should have, but because everybody in the rink knew that it was offside and then it, then it didn't, you know, but just, uh, it was a shame that uh, they didn't call that. And I think the first game uh, game goal should have been an offside, a high high skill uh, game too. So, but you know, I t- I tell all these people like because we uh, we all know that we were tied and and overtime. And as as we told uh, like like uh, Clarky told us after said, listen, you know, like we it's up to us to win the game. Uh, if 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 we do, then we force a game seven. Then uh, then you know, who knows? You know, game sevens usually you win in your home, and uh, so you know I I I know that uh, I wanted to score because you know I scored later like that game, and and I you know, I wanted to sky to end it, uh, but you know it didn't work out that way. But uh, at that time, you know. We had good teams uh, over the years, and so like it was disappointing for me at the start. So that was the first of, and I, I, I just I know this is the one sore spot of your career. That was the first of five trips to the Stanley Cup Final that you made, and you didn't win any of them. And we're going to get to the other ones. We're going to get to the other four uh, as we move forward. Um, but uh, you, you know, you look at you look ahead, and you know, like I was mentioning before, the old guard kind of goes out, and then. Clarky takes over as GM in, I guess, uh, 84, 85. Um, it, it, did you kind of feel like it was your time at that point to, I mean, you had been on the team for a few years to kind of take on more of a leadership role. I mean, you and Poulin um, at that point to kind of really be the guys to try and lead this team into that next, you know, next chance at winning a cup in the mid to late eighties. Yeah. Well, as, as, as most of you guys know, like I was really quiet my rookie year season and, and a couple of years, like I, I didn't talk at all. 
Uh, I didn't have to because Clark and uh, Barber were there talking all the time. And it, it was tough for me because I was shy. Uh, but after time, with, uh, you know, with Clarky retiring and then uh, me learning from him how to practice better, how to be a better player, how to, you know, I, I, was, I scored more goals in the, the last couple of years and uh, was consistent and, you know, had all the chance to play more. Uh, but with uh, Mark Howe and uh, Dave Poole, and it really made a big difference with the leadership because uh, we had good teams at that time. And at that time in 87, 85, Pelly was just coming onto his own. Like, so like if he didn't die, uh, you know, you know it, it could have made a difference by us uh, looking uh, if we could win a couple of Stanley Cups. But at that time, the you know, Islanders won four in a row and then the Oilers, which were powerful at that time, they lost, uh, they, they won four in a row. And, uh, you know, but we, and we, we had a battle like, uh, like to get into the, into the finals in 85 and 87 because it was tough because uh, everybody was so beat up all the time. And we, we lo I lost uh, Brad McCrimmon for uh, industry and then uh, Tim Kerr on 87. So like if you, you have those two guys, it made a big difference, you know, because if we were healthy and, uh, you know, but Mark Howe and uh, Pele and uh, Hextall, you know, they, they did a, a good job of uh, holding us in. And, uh, you know, I'm still proud, uh, you know, even if we didn't didn't win, I think that people re remember us because we tried as best as we can, and uh, you know we didn't we didn't win, but uh, I think that they still remember us for that. You yeah, being banged um, up. Go ahead, Ross. Know, especially at, at the end of a season, guys being banged up. We now kind of look at what's happening right now with the league, and how it seems like at least for the Flyers, like this little pause, assuming that they're able to you know, get the rest of the regular season done or a postseason run of some sort done, it could actually benefit the Flyers in getting back players that have, or that were meaningful players that got hurt before the end of the regular season or before the, the pause. If you could go back and pick a season to have one year that a pause happens, you get everybody back to full health, which team that you played on would you want to go back and give full health across the board to a team and have the best chance to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, that would probably be either 90, 90, no, 85 or 87. In, in 87, like with Tim Kerr being hurt, I mean, he, had, he was a power play king for, for the years. And so, and you'd be, if you make, if you, score one goal and that made a big difference with uh, that. So I, I'm 87 uh, for me with, with uh, Tim Kerr being healthy and, and Dave Poulin was banged up and Ilka was banged up. Yeah. So like, you know, we our, our, our top players were, were kind of banged up. And so that would have made a big difference if we were healthy. So um, you come out of, I mean, 85, you guys make that run to the final, losing five games to Edmonton was probably – they were probably the better team that year. I mean, they were the, one of the greatest teams of all, in the history of hockey, obviously. Um, and it was probably like – it was more like, okay, the Flyers are now – this is the coming out party, right? I mean, you guys reached the finals. And then 86 starts off, you guys are playing great, and then the Pelly tragedy happens. Yeah. Can you – I know it's tough to talk about that, but can, can you kind of take us through what it was like for you guys to kind of – deal with the loss of of such a great player and a close friend and teammate 
and to still go ahead and have the season that you guys had, you had a great year. I mean, yeah, you lost in the playoffs the first round, but you, you still had a hell of a season that year to just have that, to be able to rebound and rally around each other is it, a pretty incredible story in and of itself. Yeah, it was uh, really, really a shame. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, we knew that we had to, you know, we had a good team and we had to go through uh, things that like that, like with new goalies and things like that. And uh, so, uh, but it's sort of like having heart now. He's a, he's a good goalie, like, and he, he can win you some games for that. But you know, we, we had to make sure that we, we kept working uh, as best we can. At that year in 85, we had uh, Howe and McCrimmon, like they were like plus uh, 85 or something like that. Yeah, they were. Yes. And so like, but we were tough to play against. We had four lines of guys that knew how to, to win, win together. Like when uh, Keenan came to the uh, coach, he, he learned how to, you know, if we had to play two lines to win a game, and th that was fine, you know, but and then, then if we, uh, we were always ahead. And so he used uh, the third or fourth line guys a little, little more, and that saved us, all of us. But, uh, you know, I think the, the coaching made a big difference, but, with us uh, playing as well as we did, uh, I think, uh, I, I, but I, I loved Keenan because he wanted to win every game. And I, I loved it because even if you had to play two lines, if you're, you're behind, you know, I, I love that. And, uh, but uh, it's kind of changed now. Like they rotate four lines all the time. And uh, so like, so they don't get hurt. Uh, so, but at that time in 85 and 87, it was, you know, having Mark Howe was, was pretty amazing. I want to you ask talk you this. About, I, I don't ahead, want Russ. this to be, you know, too painful of a thing because I, I can't imagine what it'd be like losing somebody that was, you know, so close to to a group of guys. But just trying to give the fans a a little bit of an idea, maybe some kind of insight. You know, the the news that came out in December with Oscar Lindblom being diagnosed with cancer, and we saw a very young team kind of get rocked with the reality. Now, obviously, we are hoping and and we're we're praying that he makes a full recovery, but. You know, you get that kind of news as a young group of guys, and there was a, a, a lot of, of thought going back and forth, and Ant, neither Anthony nor I have obviously played hockey at the professional level. Maybe you could give a little bit of insight into this. When you get some kind of tragic news, especially about somebody who's so close to you, to your team, do you want to get back out on the ice as soon as possible just to have something to focus your energy on your, your mindset on to kind of get away from that being the only thing on your mind, or do you think it's a healthy thing to want to just take time to process and, and get away? Well, the, for me, I, I wanted to get it back as, as fast as I can, uh, because you, you want to break, uh, you know, the, the flow, but, uh, it, it all came down to the, the coaching and the management of the Flyers. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers were so awesome. Keenan, uh, he had us all meeting uh, his house for the first two weeks uh, just to stay together with him. And I think with uh, the new coaching uh, the, for the Flyers, they're kind of doing the same thing. You know, they, 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 the, the, the team is close and it gets closer when they're younger. But I think that for the young guys that, that performed as well as uh, Oscar did, you know, and uh, 
Patlin, uh, pa Patrick being out this year, uh, you know, but they, they picked it up. And so the younger guys figured out a way that they could be playing much better. And I think the coaching staff did a good job of managing their time much better, especially on the power play and, and penalty kill. So, uh, you know, you balance that with uh, good management and good coaching and the players buying in, it, it, it's powerful. You talk, you talk about how much you loved Keenan, but he rode you, right? I mean, he was tough on you when you were a player. It, but you, did, you, you, you were okay with that? You, you didn't mind that too much? No, I know, he, I know he, he, got people, he, gave, he rubbed people, some people, the wrong way. I, I smoked, I smorked, smirked, 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 squirt, no. Smirked. Smoked, you know, no, not smoked, but uh, squirt, squeaked, no. Uh, you know, uh, smirked. My, my stroke. Uh, I, yeah. I mixed up with words every once in a while. Smirked. Smirked. Yeah, smirked. Yeah. I, but I did. It didn't let me bother me because uh, you know, like uh, I always knew what I had to do, and uh, like, and so he gave me uh, hell all the time, just like the young guys. But they took it to their heart a little bit more. But the one thing that Keenan did all the time was that he'd call me into the room uh, before practice uh, the, the, the day after, and I and I just. You know, just and we uh, ornamented it out, or, ornamented it out. So, but uh, yeah, that that was good to know because, uh, like, uh, you know, like they think he was mean all the time, but you know, he was pretty fair with uh, if if I needed to get a talking to, I I did, but you know, then uh, but I was pretty easy and go easy going, and uh, you know, but then again, I just maybe had me score a few more goals then. <laughs> you talk yeah we're gonna yeah we're gonna get we're getting to the guffaw i know it's something russ wants to talk russ is a big howie mandel guy so i know he wants to talk about it um but uh it, so in 87 um I, I say if someone asked this question like who was the best flyer what was the best flyers team to not win the stanley cup it has to be 87 in my mind and i i remember i was a teenager when you guys you know were in the finals that that was the greatest NHL final then, I still think today. Because when you look at it, that Oilers team had, what, six, seven Hall of Famers? Hall of Famers, yeah. Yeah, you guys had one in Mark Howe, um, although a couple other guys were close, including yourself. But to go seven games with them um, and really just kind of, I mean, just never – you were down 3-1 in the series. You were down 3-1 in game four. And then, you know, you had, what, four assists in that game? Game four to game bring five the team was, back? Uh, was or game five? I, yeah. I, 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 that might be might have been my best ever uh, playoff game. Uh, game five, uh, five assist, four assists with uh, in Edmonton. Uh, and, then, and, then, and then, of course, you know, the game six where I tied it up with six minutes left and then J.J. Yep. scored. That, uh, that rink was so loud, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was an, just an incredible thing. And, and, you know, then even game seven, you guys got up one nothing early, and then it was just almost like Edmonton was a great team and they decided that they were finally going to take over at that point. And, and you just – and like you said, you ran out of – you ran out of bullets. It's not like you guys didn't try. You were just ran out of bullets in that in that seventh game. And that, but boy, oh boy, that was that was the most memorable most memorable sports team in this town of any of the four sports that didn't win in my mind. Yeah, it was. Uh, but uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned before, like the, the people in Philadelphia uh, admire us for for facing a for, uh, forcing a game seven. Uh, they gave them hope. 
And uh, even though we didn't win it, uh, I think that uh, everybody still remembers that uh, that time, especially uh, the game six where we uh, won it uh, to force a game seven. So at that time, I think there was a concert, Genesis concert uh, across the street. And so they were, uh, so they, I think they cheered when they heard it uh, getting so loud. <laughs> um, but so that would be the second and third Stanley Cup final that you went to and lost. But before you got to the other two, um, you had an opportunity to win something. And what was, again, a, an unbelievable hockey series. But you went and, and you played in that, uh, uh, well, we, it wasn't called the World Cup then. Canada Cup then, yeah. um, it, and that's when you guys played uh, the Russians and the best of the Soviets and the best of three. All three games ended six to five. Two games go overtime. You got to play with Gretzky and Lemieux. I think you played on their line a little bit too, right, Brian? Yeah, for for most of the tournament, uh, and then uh, Keenan he switched it up around every once in a while. Like we, uh, you know, when when we when we when we're down by. Three nothing in the, with ten minutes in the first period of game game three, and then so like uh, like I think he put Tockett and me and uh, Sutter together, and then so he had a, he Tockett had a, scored a goal and I scored a goal and we kind of fought back and then uh, we gave us a chance and then and then after that uh, we just kind of uh, were able to keep going and uh, but it, the series was unbelievable because at that time the Russians couldn't be drafted. So there was like, they were playing the Olympics and they're trained all year for that. And I think it was until 1990 when Igor Larionov kind of ha- helped them uh, get drafted to the Russian players. And so, right. uh, but that year and series, it could be one of the best uh, all time uh, three game series. It was unbelievable. And then of course, Mario scores the game winner in, in overtime and just, or not overtime, it's been a minute, like I think a minute to go in the game. Yeah. Um, just an just an incredible. I, I think that's probably, you know, you talk about the most memorable goals in, in ca- Canadian hockey history. I mean, Crosby's golden goal was a big one, but I, I I have a hard time thinking of one that was bigger than Lemieux beating the Russians in '87. Yeah, well, and then uh, playing with uh, Lemieux and uh, Gretzky most of the tournament, like like they were they were they scored a lot and got a lot of assists, and but they're two of the best players in the world, and I was on their line, and uh, at that time I was the oldest player on the team uh when i was probably 26 or something like that uh but uh i think that they because we did so well in the finals against edmonton and the tournament was in in september uh i was still in shape and then uh but my experience in the playoffs uh, i think i was i scored 28 points in the in the playoffs that last year and so like they you know they they knew that i was a good player and plus by playing in the world championships in 82 and 83 for, with Team Canada, I had the experience of playing with better, better rinks, bigger rinks, and, uh, you know, just uh, having the experience by playing internationally with Team Canada and to play a lot, you know, it, it, it was pretty special for me, too. So the last run that you make with the Flyers is in 89. You go to the conference final uh, and lose to Montreal. And the, the big story from that, playoff of course is Chelios's hit on you um and not knocked you out uh, with, a, with a hit that today would probably garner a 20 game suspension Brian I mean it, if you go back and look at that hit it was so un- unbelievably dirty um yet you only missed one game <laughs> yeah that's pretty amazing isn't it 
<laughs> it's a whole different world, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, you know, that, then the, the memorable thing is, you know, Montreal wins the series in six, but right at the end of game six, Hextall goes after Chelios uh, to try and get back at him for, for what he did to you. Um, have you ever mended fences with Chris uh, about that? Or is that so like a long-lasting rivalry? You all... I hated him, but uh, at the same time, like when, when Brad McCrimmon, uh, when I went to his funeral in Detroit, uh, I saw him after that. You know, we didn't say too much, but, uh, you know, we, he, we respected each other after that. Uh, but, you know, we didn't, we still don't talk too much about that. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's like everything. Uh, the older you get, uh, you, you, your life goes on and you, you, you forget, uh, you forgive other people. And, uh, you know, as long as, uh, you know, it's still good for us, the story to, that, that we hated each other so much, but uh, the, that was uh, a good rivalry, uh, you know, but, uh, you, know, you know, at that time, like, you know, I, I, I've talked with him at uh, Brad Kerman's funeral, and so I had a chance just to stay, you know, high and, uh, you know, we kind of mended a little bit. I got to be honest with you, Brian. It was a game a few years back, uh, I want to say it was 2012, 2013. Um, Flyers are playing in Detroit. I'm there in Detroit. And Hexy was the assistant GM at the time. And I'm up in the press box and before the game. And he's over there chatting away with Chelios. And a, a little part of me died inside. <laughs> like, I was like, that was my childhood. They hated each other. What do you, we can't talk to each other now. This is horrible. After what he did, the proper, no way, no yeah, way. So, well, it's, it's sort of like what, like when I did the radio for nine years with the Flyers, every home game, every every game. I mean, uh, and then I'm the ambassador. Though it's been to be four years, I'm the ambassador for the Flyers. So I love the, the team and the Flyers uh, all my whole life, and. Uh, you know, I, I meet all these uh, other alumni that still do the radio and other work other teams. And so we run a couple of celebrity hockey events and like the devil guys, uh, the, you know, the ranger guys and a couple other guys like they, they, they keep uh, getting together. And so it helps that uh, we can still play hockey together and and help a lot of these charities. Like I know because uh, when I work with Wolf Commercial Real Estate in, in Marlton and, and Philadelphia, we did our fourth celebrity hockey game we had six uh, former alumni and uh, two teams set up and we split up between the six charities that we support and we raised 80,000 for the game and uh, hopefully we, that will continue all right now I know Russ wants to ask you about the guffaw so, I, so go ahead Russ before did, we get before we go beyond this time with the Flyers go well, ahead because and ask I was a little bit upset I, I went back and I was looking for any kind of compilation videos of the best celebrations or the most memorable celebrations, uh, goal-scoring celebrations in all of NHL history. And the guffaw did not make it, which I thought was an absolute travesty. I mean, they have a guy out riding a, a stick like it's a, 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 like a, a witch's broom out to center ice. They've got the skeet shooting, the throw it. But the guffaw is not on there. And I think it was a shame because it was probably the best crossover of all celebrations, perhaps in all of sports, because that was something that was originally a Howie Mandel bit. And if I remember correctly, it was 1986, the summer of 86. You went to go see Howie Mandel. I don't know. Was it Atlantic City? Uh, Atlantic City. Yeah. And 
I don't know how you ended up meeting him. I saw that there was a picture of Howie Mandel with hair. Very jarring for people of my age who are really only familiar with Howie Mandel, the bald germaphobe. So I, I want to pick your brain. How did you end up taking the guffaw and obviously improving it vastly? Uh, I think, well, because we're both Canadian, and so we didn't mind. Uh, so I, I, I saw a show ashore with, with a buddy friend, uh, Scott McKay. And so at that time, I, I, at that time, I just wanted to do something a little different because at that time I was scoring you know, like 40 games a, a year and, uh, and Tim Kerr sold, uh, was uh, almost 60 goals and he didn't, didn't react, but I, I always liked to score and do something a little different. So I know when Keenan was there, like uh, when the first year I scored, uh, I went to the center ice and did guffaw. And then he, he came back and said, what are you doing? Don't ever do that again. And I said, I, I said, screw that. Uh, I said, like, uh, when I scored again, I, I kept doing it. And so it, 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 it caught. And then, uh, you know, from all those years of me, uh, when I played, uh, you know, when I ran the rink at Medford Ice Rink, uh, I, I ta taught all the young kids how to do the guffaw. And I think it, it, it caught, caught going, caught, caught on. And so it's, it means a hearty, hearty laughter. And uh, and it's you engagement and enjoyment and uh, excitement and so like I, I liked uh, the guffaw so I branded my uh, my guffaw uh, brand and I have it to this day and uh, you know soon I will have my guffaw cigars ready too. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to I have to work on the, the licensing with Vivante uh, cigars. Uh, as soon as that's finished, then, then, then I, so I don't have to worry about uh, with the tobacco uh, rules for uh, manufacturing. So I'm going to be a licensing guy for the cigars. So when that's that awesome. happens, obviously, you're going to take some of those and you're going to reach out yeah. to, to my yeah. Oh, yeah. Anthony. And we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 absolutely, we'll promote the hell and, out of them. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. That's good stuff. Um, all right, Brian, get towards the end of your career. I mean, I mean um, Clark, he ends up trading you to Boston, 1990. Um, got a second round pick for you, which is, which is pretty good considering you were going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Um, and I know that, you know, you and Poulin ended up together there and the fans were not happy um, that they, that Clarkie traded both you guys away, but it was apparent that, you know, a rebuild needed to happen at that point. Um, can you talk about what it was like going to Boston and again, made the cup final in 1990 uh, and lost to Edmonton for, for a third time? Yeah. The, so that year, like I, I, I hurt my, uh, my hand, my hand, like I had an artery in my hand that uh, was, uh, had, had a clot in it. And so like I had to, uh, put hand surgery on my, my left hand. And so uh, I missed 25 games. And at the end of the year, uh, at, at, I was, it was getting close to the end of the season. And so like I, I played a couple games and then uh, I think Clarkie did me a, fa a favor by moving to Boston because at that time, Boston was number one in the league. And uh, having Dave Poulin back with me, you know, I remember the first goal that I scored was shorthanded with Poulin in Boston. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Nealon and, uh, and Yali and Bork and, you know, good team and Bork uh, uh, and Moog. And so, like, you know, I, you know it, it gave me a chance to, to win another Stanley Cup. And so, you know, you, you just you never know when it can happen. But, 
you know, we uh, did really well until the finals. And it was that, that year, it was triple overtime. And the first game in Boston, Klima uh, scored. Otherwise, you know, if we win the first game, it gives you, gives you a hard step. And then, uh, and then Edmonton was like, they were pretty powerful at that time too. You know, they still have all those Hall of Fame farm players. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but, and I just, I remember the one like where uh, Glenn Wesley, he missed the whole empty net. Otherwise he could have, and he, he missed the net. Yep. Yeah, that, that, was, that was that was horrible. That, that was, was also the series where the lights went out at Boston Garden, right? Yeah, triple overtime. Yeah, yeah, that was the triple overtime game. Yeah, uh, then you become a free agent. Boston doesn't resign you. Clarkie gets fired in Philly, ends up in Minnesota, and signs you to the North Stars, who were not a very good team in regular season. And but back then, I you know almost everybody made the playoffs in the NHL. You guys got in as the like the bottom seed in the in the division in the old. Uh, I guess that was the um, Norris division that they were in, right, back then. I miss those names, Pat, the Patrick division, the Adams, Norris, and Smythe. Um, And you guys got in as the last, the four seed, and you upset everybody. And you made it all the way to the final against Pittsburgh. You guys were actually up 2-1 in in the final against the Penguins uh, before Lemieux took over and and won the series. That had to be an an enjoyable ride, too, right, With with a team that wasn't expected to do anything. Well, I think that uh, Bob Clark did a good job uh, because he brought me and B- Bob Bill Smith, uh, Bob Smith, because they, they, we all had experience at that time and uh, they knew how to win. And so I think for for the Minnesota, like uh, Madonna, Glanier and uh, and Casey was a goalie and uh, it, it just gave us a, a chance to get over the hump. And I know that uh, that year, we played against the number one team in the league, which was Chicago, and uh, and I scored in overtime the first game in Chicago to win the game. So that I, I, I that's that's so good for me because you know I didn't win a uh, I didn't score an overtime game after that, but that gave us a chance to go ahead. And then we had a great power play like the Islanders had uh, against us in 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 '80. And so we, we scored a lot of power play goals and Chicago was gave too many penalties. And so we, we scored a lot with that, but we, uh, and then, then we, then we played against uh, St. Louis, which was number two in the league overall. And we had a couple of guys, you know, that checked them like Paul. And so, and then, so that helped that we won there. And then, uh, then Edmonton, they were the Stanley Cup w- winners, and we beat them. And then we, we went to the finals. Uh, you know, no, we went in, we, we get into. Uh, That's it. Then you went to the final against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh. And so, and then, but Mario kind of tur- 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 turned over like uh, the last couple games. Otherwise- so that was, yeah. That was that was that was a fun little ride. I remember rooting for the North Stars because I, of course, hated the Penguins, but uh, <laughs> didn't didn't kind of work out. So you end up losing five Stanley Cups. That was really your last playoff run. I think you did play one playoff game uh, for Minnesota the next year, um, but that was it, and they got bounced early. Um, you finished your playing career, Brian, with Hartford, um, wearing one of the coolest jerseys ever in in oh. hockey history. I, I love the Hartford Whaler uniform, um, but uh, you finished your career as the all-time leading playoff goal scorer among left wingers. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people know that. And points. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. But 106, I think it was 168 points in the playoffs. Like, 
you played a ton of playoff games. Like a lot of people don't realize how many playoff games you actually play. I think it was 160 playoff, 148 points in 160 games. I just looked it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. We, you know, we talk a lot about Briere when he, you know, obviously in his time with the flyers, he became known as Mr. Playoffs, but I guess in, in reality, prior to Danny being quote unquote, Mr. Playoffs, you were that guy. Yeah. Well, well, just think about it. Every second year I was uh, in the Stanley Cup finals, like my 10 years. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I love to uh, produce and I, and I, I, you know, that's why, like when I retired, uh, went to France after, after a couple of years, I was just like, I, I, I didn't want to leave that way. I wanted to be uh, where I could still say that I, I play the game in a high, high, high role. And so that's why I, I'm very proud of, uh, you know, number, number one in the history of the game for left wingers uh, in the history for, you know, even though I didn't win a Stanley cup, I mean, it's uh, like the, the Canada cup, uh, the, the VB, the Brandon Weekings, the, the Melville millionaires that I won the MVP of the league that year, you know, it, it all, it all adds up, you know, like, and then by me getting the, all-time Canadian left winger in history in 1999 with all these guys that are in Hall of Fame, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm very proud of all of that too. Uh, You know, just, uh, just, just, you know, all the things that I've done and accomplished. I'm going to say this, Brian. I mean, you scored a thousand points in the NHL. You went to the finals five times. You talked about all your accomplishments. The fact that your name is not on the Stanley Cup is, I think, the only reason that you're not in Toronto in the Hall of Fame. I think that's the one thing that's keeping you out is the fact that you're not. But I, I, to me, I think at some point somebody might sit there and say, we better look at that Brian Prop guy. He might, he might be worth it. He might be worth looking and, and getting into the, into the hall because of, if you look at a 10-year career, there's not many guys who have a better 10-year stretch than you had in the 80s and early 90s. Well, we had good teams and good coaching and good leadership. You know, Bob Clark was a great leader. Uh, I learned from him. Uh, you know, we played in uh, Western uh, with uh, with good leaders, and we knew how to win. And uh, you know, just uh, if it happens, uh, that would be great. I know that it's been a long, long time since I was eligible, uh, but you know, maybe they put one guy, an old guy, that every once in a while, and they need another another guy to to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think one of the big surprises, Brian, when you finished your playing career, was that. Because like you had said, you were always a, a kind of a quiet guy, but that you went into broadcasting and, and you were you were a lot of fun on that radio broadcast. I, I loved listening to you and Timmy uh, for all those years. Can, can you talk about what kind of like, what itch that you had to scratch to kind of get into broadcasting? Like, I think everybody was kind of like, really, Brian Prop wants to be a radio broadcaster? And then you you did great in the role. Yeah, well, so that was uh, like you know when I started when I was uh, like when uh, Dave Poulin and I and, and Clarky left, and then so like I learned how to be a, a, a leader at that time, and so like from then like I, I learned how to talk a little bit more, how to deal with the press, and how to you know do other things, and so after I retired, I I was at the Medford Ice Rink for three years, and then uh, Ron Ryan came to me and said, hey, listen. Do you want to be a broadcaster for the Flyers? And, and in the middle of the season, when they when they they had to decide if if Coatsy wanted to go in the in the third third guy, and so I didn't have a time to decide anything. And so, but Gene uh, Hurt Hart and Bill Clement helped me uh, coach me 
to do what I'm doing. Like, so I, 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 I listened to every game and then I played it back and then he gave me some hints. And then, uh, you know, Tim Saunders was, was auction uh, awesome too. And I, I still, I love him and Coatsy now too, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, it took me a, a year and a half or two years to, to get a little better. But after, after time, uh, I, re- I, I prepared for just like everything with hockey. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, I, I, I did well. I, you know, we, we, we I, you know, I needed to do something funny and, uh, you know, just, crack people out, but, but also be, be a good, good, a good, uh, announcer too. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome to have you there. We actually kind of miss you down there. Um, so then you stopped, you stopped doing it a few years back and I, I know it's, it's amazing. Like you've done now 45 minutes with us on the air, which is far more than we ever could have asked. Uh, initially, we usually do 20 minutes, but you've been great. Um, and, and I'm really impressed because of, you know, the fact that, you know, everybody knows, I guess it was 2016 um, when you when you suffered your stroke, um, that you've that you're able to sit here and, and do this and, and be able to talk at this length and really kind of, you know, share a, a lot with us. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? I know I know how much it means to you to tell the story yeah. uh, about that to, to people. And can you share that? And, and just I, I think it's really kind of cool how you, you have overcome that and overcome the adversity of that and still able to do things like you're doing with us tonight. Yeah, I think like my, my massive stroke happened uh, September 3rd, 2015. And uh, I was on vacation with my family in Annapolis. And, uh, you know, first day I was okay. The second day I had a huge headache. So I stayed out in the rented place. Uh, I have had AFib. And so probably the reason why that it, it happened is because I had AFib and, and a clot went into my heart, into my brain. So 1.30 in the night, like, uh, I, I just fell out of bed, lost a couple teeth on the side of my uh, bed. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything. So thankfully, my, uh, my, my family was there, and I was able to get to the hospital in a half an hour in Annapolis. Uh, uh, but it took me a year and a half to get much better. Uh, like, again, the only thing at, at the start I could say were, were two words, was and and Bernie Perrant. And he <laughs> loved that. But, uh, you could say Bernie Perrant, huh? That's fantastic. I don't know, not even, not in my family's name. But uh, <laughs> I had to relearn how to talk. It took me a long time with my speech therapist to, to talk. As well as I can, and uh, I know I, I I would I did the NHL uh, uh, alumna no a, a NHL treatment for uh, Stelsum treatment in uh, 2017, where I, I took uh, the stels from my hip 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 to my uh, and they super uh, they, they separated the, bo- the the blood and put the stels back in my my arm. And so I, I noticed immediately a big imbu- imbu- Im- improvement with my speech. But I've, uh, I've come uh, a long way. Uh, I still play hockey twice a week when I'm able to. My, my, my right fingers and, and side uh, don't work that well, but the goalies that I play against aren't that good, so I can still do guffaw. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, it... Uh, uh, and 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 I'm work with been working with Wolf Commercial Real Estate the last five years uh, in 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 Marlton in New Jersey, 
and, uh, and now I am the ambassador for Bancroft Brain Injury People too, uh, about a year. And I, I do some videos, some speaking with them. They just had a big so sign uh, on 130 and 30 and 38. And so like, you know, I, I, I do a lot of things with them. And I visit a lot of other people that have strokes. So I have a whole list of people that I uh, know that I, I talk with all the time. I visit them there's at McGee or uh, Bancroft and uh, I give them her hope to, to make sure that they listen, don't give up, uh, keep up with all the rehab that you have. And uh, you know, and I know that uh, our um, Bancroft uh, gala was just supposed to be the 18th of this month but it's kind of delayed until June or, or, you know, maybe later. Uh, but, and I brought, uh, I brought uh, 10 people that I know that have strokes and brain injuries. And so I gave, bought a table for them. And so it helps them because after rehab, they, they, they need somebody to talk, talk better about what's, what, what they have going on with them. So we're going to start uh, a group, that will talk about Bancroft and maybe it's every couple of weeks, couple of months, and then we'll get people together in a room together to see if we can kind of coordinate uh, a time when we can talk with all these people that have stroke and brain injuries. I think you're an inspiration. To be honest with you. The, the, the concept of, of coming back from something as catastrophic as as that kind of stroke is as any kind of stroke is and and to hear the way that you articulate things better honestly than i do or, or a lot of these other hockey players are, aren't as good either you know like, <laughs> but yeah so i still have a, aphasia which means that the words don't come out that way so i've learned to uh, slow down my speech when i get when i get if i talk too much i get mixed up with the, the names and uh other things too well brian i'll tell you what this has been a, a real treat for us mm -hmm. it's a real treat for our fans and our listeners um thank you so much for doing this uh you know I, i've always had the greatest respect for you as a professional uh miss having you down at the at the rink but you're doing some great things um a, a kind of away from the rink and, and then you know when we see you down there uh, it's always a it's always a pleasant sight and i really do appreciate having you having you on the show and by the way one of our facebook uh watch or viewers at this point uh is totally right jack bruder says proper should be in the hall of fame we gotta uh, get yeah. them on this absolutely yeah. so so just so you guys know like um, i have my i just redid my website as brianprop.com so mm -hmm. there's a lot of information on that and so if you want you can they can all check that out awesome we'll Fantastic. send people over there russell put it in the link uh for the show for everybody to, yeah. to hop in there as well so brian thank you once again um and uh we'll talk to you down the road my friend thanks anthony and ross all right take care thanks so much ladies and gentlemen that was brian prop very special man yes yeah i Excellent mean that's to have him I on mean, the show think, we hope you, you uh, think, hope you enjoyed having a chance to uh to listen to him, to listen to some stories, but really, uh, I, I have to say, the incredibly kind of inspirational, right? Yeah, I mean, the kind of progress that he made to get himself back to the 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 level of fluency that he's got, the lack of processing um, 
See, I don't even know the word. Like the the lack of there being any kind of real discernible issue that he's had to fight back from is truly a testament, not only to his own work ethic, but you talk about a, a group of people who don't get a lot of uh, a lot of recognition. It's uh, speech therapists, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that's so my that's daughter's going study. to college for. That is a case study in uh, you know. Excellent. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it, the, so I mean, we didn't, you know, he didn't say, but I mean, the, the I remember the story came out when it happened that um, I think um, th- uh, one in four might have been even less than that, but I think it was one in four people die from that stroke. Um, so that's how serious it was. And to spend 18 months relearning how to speak English, which is the hardest, I mean, it's the hardest language to learn as it is but then to completely relearn it in your 50s is an is another thing entirely so to to so to go where he could only say two words at first and to now be able to speak with us the way he did today in the span of you know a couple of years is incredible, incredible. absolutely incredible really remarkable stuff yeah I don't know, it yeah. almost feels like talking about hockey after that just pales in comparison but that's what we have to do here on yes Snow the, Goalie, the only flyers podcast we've got it uh there were a little bit of news that came out this uh this morning and this afternoon a couple of things uh you know good old-fashioned commissioner gary bettman came out and had some interesting things to say uh there there was a a thought going around that maybe the nhl is going to look to push back next season into uh, maybe later in November in order to have enough of a window to not have to overly condense what might remain of the regular season if that were to go through and or the postseason so you don't see like a best of three series or a couple of best of five series. There's a talk now that they might push back into November uh, specifically so that they can keep a, a decent timeline. Gary Bettman came out today and said that he thinks it's going to take two to three weeks to get players back in camp and back up to, you know, what we would consider, I guess, game shape. Um, there were some people who were maybe throwing a little bit of water on that. Uh, Pierre Lebrun put out uh, a thing that I, I think the way that his tweet came off is almost as if he's a little bit more skeptical of the possibility, um, kind of highlighting the fact that in order for that to work, they'd have to cancel the all-star game that whole weekend having the bye week they have to play the playoffs into late June of 2021. And uh, Drew Doughty came out today and said, I don't see how the season's going to return. Now, granted, it's not like the Kings are a, are a real contender this year. So I can't imagine that he's going to want to come back. We've talked about this, uh, you know, good luck trying to motivate players on bottom feeding teams or teams that have little to no shot of making the postseason or contending in any meaningful way to get excited to come back, work yourself up into game shape, go out for 10-ish games, and then shut it back down for a month until the next season. So wanted to get any of your thoughts on the matter. Well, I, again, I still think that the season's going to happen. We've talked about this, about the next season starting in November. We, you know, I believe the very first episode of Snow the Goalie after the league was shut down by COVID-19, um, we talked about, next season beginning on thanksgiving right i mean that was kind of what i had been hearing and and we've been talking you know we've been we've been hearing um from other people as well um 
And so I think that that's still a target. I think that the target is at this point, you know, it sounds to me a lot like late July and August are going to be the sweet spots for everybody to kind of get back to play. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's, the, uh, that's what it can't have. That's that. what it sounds like. And, and if that's the case, then I, I, you know, I think that I think that they're both right. Like, I don't think Dowdy's wrong. Mm-hmm. That it's it, like I think what he's saying is he doesn't see a way that the Kings play this year. And I don't necessarily know. I mean, the, I know the league wants to play the finish out the regular season in some capacity. I did see something that our friend Frank Saravalli tweeted out last week. Mm-hmm. Um, where there was the thought of rewinding the standings so that every team was at 68 games, which some teams were are one or two beyond that, but everybody was at every team. The minimum was at 68. So if you just discounted the games that were played beyond 68 wow. and made it 68 games, that that could be your playoff at that point. Guess where the Flyers would be in that case? They would be in first place. First place in the, in the Metropolitan Division. Yes. They would be in first back. place Rewind. in the Metropolitan. And they would play they would play Carolina as the top wild card. Let's go. Uh, Rewind. In that it. Instant, in we always knew the Capitals games didn't mean anything. See that? Just take it back. First place. Yeah. We love it. We're here for it. Anthony in that beautiful sun hat. He's here for it. By the way. I uh, I know you're not going to be able to see this, and the people who are listening on the podcast feed aren't going to be able to see it. But for our fine viewers over on the uh, the live feed, I just wanted to hit some people with uh, I I don't know. I think a, a little bit of a treat. You know, I mentioned uh, earlier that somebody had said that you looked like Cam Newton, so I want to put yeah. up uh, one of the pictures here on the live feed, and uh, there it is. Oh yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> I think I might even keep it on the screen. I'm going to block myself out. I think I might start going with a uh, a little bit of an array of uh, Cam Newton pictures here. You, it would be nice if you learned how to just have it like flip back and forth between me and Cam Newton and see if people really notice that it switched. I'm, I'm just going to put it here. Yeah. <laughs> that one's nice. I actually have another one that looks a little bit more like your current thing. I don't know if you're watching a live stream now, fella, but uh, I've got another doozy lined up here for you. And uh, this is what we call good pod. This is this is good content right here. Bang. The best part is sometimes when I go in and do this kind of stuff and then I see the uh, thumbnail of the image afterwards. Uh, this ends up being like the kind of remember the time I said Tuka Rask looked like the Grinch because he does. That ended up being like the secondary thumbnail for the show. So uh, anyway, I just wanted people to see that. Yes, in fact, Anthony Sanfilippo is Cam Newton. Just minus all of the money and the uh, pro accolades. Anyway, that was beautiful. Um, yeah. We got a bunch of five-star reviews that we have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we Including one that involves your wife. Is she around? I don't know where she's at. She's She might be asleep at this point. <laughs> She's she's less text her. She's less than four weeks from birthing a child. So I get it. I understand if she's available, though, you should send her a text. She's she's available. I I would love to hear her response. to the I'm not bringing her on the show. No, Nancy, I know you watch. We are not. We are not bringing her on the show. I wanted you to come on the show. Five star review here from a former radio sports listener who says, Mm. 
can't say cook? Five stars. Really? You can't say your wife is a good cook because someone might get triggered. Wow. Our world is dying and it's not all about a disease. Yeah. I yeah. just wanted to talk to Nancy about the fact that I think that she's probably a phenomenal cook and you just won't say it. Oh, my God. You should have seen. So she made this challah bread, which mm. made all of our Jewish challah. friends very yeah, – Challah! Made our uh, Jewish friends really, really, really jealous because of uh, Passover, right? So she's sitting here making this gorgeous challah loaf, and I don't think I have it anywhere on my computer to bring up. I could bring it up on my phone. It doesn't matter. But – she ended up making the Easter bread where you do the glaze over top. And yeah, you we make the Easter sprinkles. bread. We remember, you we're Italians, Jimmy's right? or whatever you Delco people do. Um, we're Italian. On, it's not Delco. Top. It's Italian. And so uh, it was a thing, and it was absolutely delicious. So we had an extra loaf left over. She had done, like, the braided challah bread. And uh, I think she said she's going to do, like, an overnight bread pudding French toast bake. I'm very nice. excited. Tomorrow's going to be a good morning. Um yeah, she's she's fantastic. I was told that there's another Apple podcast review on the way. But in the meantime, we got one over on our Facebook page. Oh, yes. Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie, a five star review that came in. We love five star reviews wherever you're going to leave them for us. Of course, we love them on our Facebook page. We love them on Apple Podcasts. Um, let me see. I had it pulled up here. Do, 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 do. I love when you're prepared. No, I had it. It was really good. Where did it go? Oh, no. There it is. David Mako Jr. says, mm. best Flyers podcast out there. Love the shows. Thank you, Thanks, David. David. Thank you. He's been a, a longtime reader mm-hmm. of, mine. Um, of mine since back in my uh, Delaware County me. Daily Times Only. days. Send Don't know how much friends. longer my my uh, old em- employer is going to be in existence Jeez. after the news that came out today. There's a, but, there is a yeah. lot going on. A yeah, lot. it's sad. A lot. Yeah, it is sad. It's you sad. I checked Beasley. in with some some people there. I, I really feel bad for those our, uh, folks who are still there. Our one-time employer is over at Beasley. They uh, had to put in, what was it, a warn notice because they're going to have massive layoffs. Mm-hmm. Although I guess the intention is that they're going to rehire everybody once this COVID uh, pandemic is over. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping everybody gets their job back in any field. By the way, not just media. I mean, yeah, you know, you talk about sports, you write about sports. You're you're one of the lucky ones, I would say. There are people obviously who are out there that are doing the things that keep the country afloat, that keep people alive. They're the ones who really should be commended, and we hope that they all uh, get their jobs back first, or if they haven't lost them, that they keep them and that they're compensated appropriately. I was at a Walmart last week. Did I tell you this on the show? No. I think I did. So I went to Walmart. Bad idea. Remember, last week, somebody said in the uh, live chat- Oh, yeah, you did tell this story. Walmart, Walmart is like a 1,000% guarantee that you're going to get the coronavirus. Did I talk about it on this show? I didn't think I did. I'm pretty sure I was did. Was it this show or was it another show? I don't know. But anyway, we went to Walmart and it was like 50-50 on the people who were wearing masks and weren't. But the cashier, this was a really nice inspirational moment. The guy who uh, was at the register was probably about my age. Um, I asked him, like, you know, it's it's Walmart, right? So you just expect insanity and crazy stories. And I said, you know, how have things been? And the guy was like, you know, 
they've actually done a pretty good job recently. They've gotten us enough masks, enough wipes. They've got everything where they've been closing down the store a little bit early so that we can really make sure that everything is clean and disinfected. And the guy's like, you know what? We're going to get through. It's going to be okay. And I was like, you know, a little positivity, a little positivity. We should have the guy on the show. And that's why coming into the whereby chat right now is my cashier from Walmart. Give it up for, I'm just kidding. He's not. But if you're out there, (laughs) <laughs> and you were the cashier that day. You let me know. Hop, yeah, you know, slide into the DMs on Twitter or over on uh, Facebook, and, and let that would have been fun. That would have been great. Surprise! I should have like yeah. whipped out the uh, the business cards that we had printed up right before the pandemic and been like, "Hey, you a Flyers fan? Snow the goalie." <laughs> Trevor Harris over on Facebook says that it was him. I don't believe you, Trevor. I don't believe you at all. Uh, we had a bunch of comments going on uh, over in the chat. Not all of them were related to uh, the interview there with Brian Propp. Trevor Harris thinks that I'm making a, a, a change of career into the adult film industry. Yes, you are with that stash. Benjamin Molesky says, oh, wow. Pretty sure Aunt San looks like the Unabomber taking a day at the beach. <laughs> yes. Chris on Facebook says the outfits are amazing. Thinks that next week it should be a Unabomber with a mohawk. Make it happen. Oh, I ain't doing that. I don't, first of all, I don't have enough hair, man. Like, there's oh, nothing up there. Put that hat back on. There's Good not enough Lord. hair. Wow, blinded by the light. Uh, all right, let's see. What else? Trevor Harris says, I love it when flyers from the past talk about the sport that's uh, fire on the ice, or maybe that's going on the ice. Uh, Trevor Harris says, uh, when is Batman? So when is Batman, you guys think, would restart the season? Would you and Jude? You said about... Uh, mid to late July. July. And then he followed up yeah. saying that he would jump off a bridge if it's uh, July. So get uh, get that bridge ready. Hopefully you land no, in no, something nice and soft. Don't jump off a bridge, Trevor. No, like you jump off a toy bridge. I'm actually, I should show people. I'm doing this show from on top of a uh, Thomas the Tank Engine table with all the wooden tracks. There's a I bridge remember here. them. There we go. There's I remember bridge. them. Hold I on. could probably name you the, the I've got character. a bridge right here. The Rumbly Bridge. Let's see. Can it still... The Let's rumbling see. bridge. Yep. There we go. Let's see it rumbling. Anyway, you got Percy jump, to ride across one. it. I have Percy somewhere around here. Percy, go slowly inside Morgan's mine. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. Was there anything else? Chris said all it took was a global pandemic to make uh, Walmart a shiny star of employee care. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Trevor also comes back in and says that he's not going to jump off a bridge. Thank you, Trevor. Anthony, you did a good job there talking him down from the ledge. You're uh, a real crisis coordinator there. So, uh, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on this week? No. Oh, pal. No? No, I got to get out of my costume. I, You know, I, you call them costumes, but I'm pretty sure this is just you embracing who you truly are. <laughs> and, like, this See- is... This is your I, I, way to get to get away with the kind of things that you would want to wear in public, but you're afraid to. You're hoping that let's play this hypothetical for a second. Let's imagine that you were a man who wanted to wear sun hats like that all the time. Uh, nice, big sunglasses, a beautiful handkerchief, if that's what that is, a bandana. It is. It's a handkerchief. Um, do you think that when this is all over, we're going to see people taking very questionable fashion choices out into the world because we've all just kind of grown accustomed to wearing whatever we want? 
hopefully this pandemic will be the end of wearing suits to hockey games. That would be amazing. <laughs> right? Oh, that would be great. Would it be, so, so should I show up at the next Flyers game in this hat and sunglasses? So I, I thought about this. Uh, <laughs> I think that we freak everybody out. Now, here's the problem. We know that some of our, our, our fellow uh, people from Pressboro watch this and listen. I think you and I, when the season comes back, we should show up in suits. It will freak everyone out. No one will see it coming except for the ones who are watching and listening now. But if we showed up in suits after the pandemic, they would be very afraid that something has gone horribly wrong with us. I'm, I'm here for I, it. I'm not doing it. No? No. I used to wear a suit to every game when I worked for the team. I have a brown I hated it. suit that my that my dad gave me that was his, I guess, when he was younger. And uh, I used to have to travel like, with them. It's like a like a beautiful Easter suit. I should have worn it. I should have like worn even it for on, this show. Even on the road, I had to wear it. It was awful. Um, oh, Trevor Harris brought up that we were supposed to talk about uh, Ozark Season 3 tonight. Yeah, I didn't get to it. You son of a biscuit-eating bulldog. You were you had one job. One job. Did you watch the, uh, the new Tiger King uh, episode? I did. Okay. I saw the Tiger King episode yesterday. You want to talk about watch that for that. a second? We can. What did you think? Um, I, I was I was sl- slightly disappointed. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't it, it wasn't you? bad. I just felt like it was it was too heavily head- edited. I felt like it was rushed. You know what I'm saying? Like I would if they were going to do all those interviews, I would have rather them put them out in like separate episodes with more time with each character and really dive into things. You know, or maybe do two or three of them, and to jam everybody into one episode and edit the shit out of them, which is what they, which is what they did. They edited so the editing was so poor. I felt like it was very disjointed, and it was they tried to be too jokey mm-hmm. with it. Um, nevertheless, I mean, there were some interesting things that were said in there. I mean, you you you, you see, obviously, with the exception of maybe one or two people like they all think that he's a total loon and deserves what he got to be in jail yeah. um you know we found out that he was killing tigers and the shit that he was doing there was crazy so um so yeah so like i think that i you know it was interesting but at the same time i i didn't like the production value they could have waited another couple weeks and really kind of done it the right way they didn't need to rush it out like that to me, it almost just felt like it, it was a perfect way to encapsulate the moment that we're in where, you know, Zoom chats and, and video chats are just part of the the daily consumption of media. If yeah. that had gone up. So, like, let's just imagine that this doesn't happen or this only had lasted for two weeks or something. And then that's what they roll out. People would have slaughtered it. Right. But I think people are so desperate for any kind of real content that that's going to end up getting a pass. And I thought, one that's not great production um joel McHale's fine i liked i like joel McHale in community i wasn't as big of a fan of the soup it wasn't something that i frequented um i saw a lot of people going after him for his style of comedy and it, i mean i guess if you're not familiar with his work then it doesn't make any sense to you and you'd probably think that he was an insensitive jerk but it's kind of a shtick i just thought that you know we might have been better off if they had gone back and released an episode of footage that you didn't see. Well, I right? think that's coming. I, I think we'll, they, we'll get that eventually. I wish that they would have just gone that route. And then maybe at the end of the summer or midsummer, if the pandemic 
you know, kind of whole would it would get lifted that we could have had some of these people view, you know, uh, interviewed on scene or on a set a little bit more of a professional production value because they've had enough time, I think, to this point to say, all right, we could probably put out a 25 minute episode of just some of the best of clips that that never aired. And they could have gone with it. You know, I think the real the real way they should go was the uh, guy in Miami. He's worth at least a full episode himself. Yeah. The guy who went to jail for drug trafficking, who then like had his own zoo. Like, I- I'm I'm here for that. I'd also be really interested to see people like Shaq. Shaq did the uh, the thing with the rest of the NBA on TNT crew, and they were taking him to task about his inclusion in the documentary and about meeting Joe Exotic and. That was really good. Exotic Joe, as Barkley yeah. called him. Yeah. Um, well, even Shaq called him that on set when he uh, when it first happened during the Oklahoma City series. Um, it, it would be interesting to me, I think, to hear from any of the celebrities who might have gone to his zoo or Doc Antle's zoo or maybe to Carol Baskin's place. Just to go to one of these, I would like to kind of hear if any of them have regrets or if they had any thoughts. I feel like you could do a much larger show and have more of those people involved, but that's just me. That was fine. You know, it was, yeah, I was. I mean, it was I didn't like hate it. A nice it. way to cap it off, but it wasn't anything that I would go out of my way to watch. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it a second time. You know what I was upset with? I watched Toy Story four today with the kids and my mm. wife, and uh, it, was a, it was an okay movie. We've uh, walked them through now, Toy Story one through four, and. Uh, the ending of four was really upsetting to me. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see Toy Story four? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't like the separation at the end. I don't want to spoil it for anybody out there who hasn't seen it, even though it's been out for over a year. Do you well, have thoughts? It's, it's Disney. I mean, come on. I didn't like the separation. I thought it was unnecessary. <laughs> it's Disney. It was dumb. There's going to be another one like some it. at some point. I'm sure. Probably not till like 2022, 23. They said there's like well, seven other movies in the hopper for Pixar. So. Which... The, the thing that I'm really kind of curious about, entertainment-wise, TV, movies, is what's the fall going to look like? Yeah. You know, like, there's nothing, no production work being done right now. It's interesting. Not even you... post-production, like nothing. I'm trying to think. It was either on a Dave Chang's podcast or it was on Bill Simmons. One of them, they I think it was Dave Chang, they were talking about how you're not feeling the pandemic now because of the amount of content that's available in terms of movies that'll be coming out and this shift to like the $20 rental or rent to buy that we're seeing and how that might fundamentally change the way that the movie industry runs from here on out. Because I mean, we've, I think a lot of people have always kind of held on to that idea of it's really expensive to take your family out to the movies. Right. But if I could just spend a little bit more money than a typical rental, and have that movie and be able to, you know, cozy up with my own popcorn, maybe a bottle of wine on a date night instead of having to go out to the movies to watch something like that's fine. Uh, the pandemic hasn't really been felt yet. But what kind of to what you're alluding to, all of the shows that should have been in production now that have been pushed back, like The Bachelorette, that mm-hmm. season's now going to get skipped. Movies that should have been finishing up now are getting skipped. The one positive in it, I guess, is movies that were getting close to finishing filming that had to go on a hiatus throughout this. 
they're now given the ability to go back and and really try to perfect the movie to that point or to decide if reshoots need to be done to decide if everything really is going to form a cohesive movie like we might end up seeing really high quality stuff the problem is that you're going to have months worth of little to no high quality films coming out unless unless these unless unless these production companies decide to push everything back because if sports start coming back maybe that kind of lifts people up but well i'm a little i'm a little surprised that these these hollywood types don't have the equipment available to them remotely to do the work that they need to do i'm a little surprised to be honest with you like uh, my son andrew uh is a big fan of the walking dead and i watch it with him um i watched it way back what's that what'd you say nothing no what did you say i may i may agree with you i I, i'll tell you it just it it. lost its steam yeah i liked it at the beginning um first couple seasons and then it it slowly went downhill from there and it was it's been terrible for a long time the show really is the walking dead it's been dead on its legs for about four seasons Except I will say this, season 10, which is what they're in now, nice bounce back. Pretty good season this season. Um, uh, And they're setting up a season 11. But they got all of their episodes into post-production complete except the finale. So the finale was supposed to air this coming Sunday. Or it was supposed to air yesterday, rather. And it didn't happen. And they just said it'll be out at some point down the road but we don't know when but i mean so you watched you invested in this entire season so i'm a little disappointed that a show went to air without their entire season completed production wise like that's it that should have what they should have done would have been get to that mid-season finale well we were that, we were already that, there oh, okay well, i was gonna say you could that was in that was in january yeah, december whatever right, january so, yeah, you can't really do another pause yeah, no, no, but you, how do you start the second half of the run? How do you start in right after the Super Bowl? I think is when their first episode was, was the week after the Super Bowl mm-hmm. for the second half of the season. How do, you, how do you air that first show without having the entire season in the hopper? What some, if something some happens? Shows do that. Like, it, like it did. Like, we, you know, I mean, no one expects a pandemic, but what if something happens? What if there's a strike? I mean, we've had that. You remember that a few years back yeah. when there was. The writers strike and whatever, and, and you, their seasons were cut short and everything. So, like, you, you have to prepare for that. You have to have your season in completion. Mm-hmm. So they're now just going to have some random episode appear at some point in the summer, and then be like, "Okay, see you again in a couple of months yeah. when we finally can get the actors together again and start filming again." Like, that's that's disappointing for such a a major show that has a significant following. I agree. Once so. again, they just aren't doing a good job uh no. let's see all right that i think that's pretty much it trevor harris says uh that's why 24 did it perfectly starting in january and ending in the spring and the yeah but it, that's it's time. fine they just have to you just have you can't air start airing a story that's a that's a yeah i know what you're saying but they're not the only show that's done that I think it's then I have a problem with all of them. That I think do it's been it, more it of the way. MO of a lot of these studios now is they start it and they have like two or three episodes in post production, but they're not done for whatever reason. I just think okay. it's what they do. So I, I, 
I so like, 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 look, look, like look at Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, for example. Oh, okay. I don't want to be. No, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to criticize. I'm having a I'm not, great night. I I'm not going to need. This. I'm not going to talk about the content at all. I'm not going to talk about the content at all with Game of Thrones. What I'm going to say about Game of Thrones is they took a lot of time off between season seven and eight. Well, no, between every. I mean, they really took time a lot of time off completely. Like uh, you know, every season. And they didn't. They knew like what was what the season was going to be, and it was done by the time it aired. Mm-hmm. And if it if it meant taking a little extra time before you put that first episode on, that's okay. Like I'm okay with that. You know. Yeah, and then they took a year and a half in between season seven and season eight, and they ran the whole thing into the ground. And now everybody hates it. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, we're not talking content. We're just, but we're talking about the fact that that season eight was ready to go from the the season premiere yeah like the whole thing was done it was ready to go it's not like they were sitting there trying to edit together the 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 finale i'm gonna double check that though because i'm pretty sure that they had some cgi stuff that they weren't done i mean the effectively the whole show had been shot and everything but i'm pretty sure the the finale and maybe the next to last episode episode were still in post-production when the final season started airing i'm almost what? i'm almost positive well that's bad especially <laughs> well, and it, especially when you think of all the things that could have gone wrong with cgi and everything you know yeah so i have a problem with it we'll do a little research into that for next week but uh anyway thanks for joining us tonight uh if you're watching on the live stream thank you if you're listening in the podcast feed of course a big thank you to you as well um you know, we're hoping that we're helping to get some people through this really hard time. And we've been seeing by the by the time the show goes into the podcast feed, typically we've had over 2000 people check in between the different Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts and YouTube lives. So that's pretty cool. And then we tack on the thousands who download it after the fact in the podcast feed. And it's a pretty good feeling. So uh, in the meantime, go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review and make Anthony smile because, man, just, wow. That's, that was it right there. That was the smile. Five-star reviews. They make the man smile. They make him happy. And they hold us over. And by the way, if you want to go over on to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash snowthegoalie, leave a five-star review there as well. We'll greatly appreciate it. Uh, for Anthony, follow me over on Twitter, at Philly. I'm Russ, at Joy on Broad. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will be back, by the way, for those who might have freaked out recently, we've now moved all of the shows from the Crossing Broad Podcast Network over from Art19 to Megaphone, which is also where, coincidentally, the shows from the Elite Sports New York uh, site are also housed on Megaphone. So if you're a New York fan or you know somebody who is a New York fan, you can let them know about the ESNY Network. But that's also available over on Megaphone. And when you see the links now on Twitter and you see it linked to Megaphone, if you click on it within Twitter, it's actually kind of nice. It pops up the subscribe button and then all of the different platforms. So it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. In addition to anywhere else that you might get your podcast, you can find it in the RSS feed. You can find it on each and every one of the podcast apps as well as all the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast, where Mr. Sam Filippo over there and Bob Wankel, Big Bet Bob, do all the Phillies talk. You can go check that show out. Of course, Crossing Broadcast, which airs 
uh, well, usually Tuesday or Wednesday night, we do the live the uh, live stream on all of your typical channels, all of your Crossing Broad channels, and then the, in its own podcast feed. We've got It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid. And I have been told, believe it or not, Anthony, I've been told that Crossing Broad FC will be making a triumphant return, possibly as soon as this week, as Phil Kaidel and I break down all of the non-existent international soccer talk Unless we're going to start getting into breaking down Belarus and their league, which I don't intend on doing. When was the last time you guys recorded? Uh, the first week of the EPL season. It's been a while. It's been a while. We knew that the season was going to be a wash, so we didn't even bother. See? That's thinking. <laughs> That's using the noggins. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week. And here's the real question, friends. Who's going to be the next guest? On Snow the Goalie, we're working on that. And it could could be a pretty big name. Anyway, thank you to Brian Prop for hopping on the show. Thank you to Anthony. Thank you to all of you. We'll talk to you again next week. See ya.